0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello,
2: la la la. Welcome to episode 79 of the Rutgers Scoutcast. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and keep calling this the Rutgers Scoutcast, which is now at home on the 24/7 Sports Network. We're all part of the CBS family, and you know what? After 78 episodes. Why change it in episode 79? That's just too confusing. Things are confusing enough as it is. What's not confusing is that I am your host, Sam Hellman, excited for another episode. There's so much noise and negativity and uncertainty around Rutgers after this bye week that we're going to kind of go in a different direction here this week. If you want to break down this bye week, the quarterback changes the position changes injuries there's no better place than scarlet report we're putting it up you know we're not waiting a day or waiting 12 hours just to get hits we're gonna put up news as it happens breaking everything down and you can get that on scarletreport.com on the 247 sports network but here for free we're gonna take things in a different direction and change things up a bit this week our focus is on recruiting and And the majority of this episode is going to be looking at the state of Maryland, specifically the Baltimore-Towson area and Calvert Hall High School. Calvert Hall is the home of Rutgers freshman linebacker Tyshawn Fogg, the four-star commit last year that joined the recruiting class and was on the 2-D pretty much from the first practice of training camp. It is also the home of Rutgers offensive tackle commit Reggie Sutton, I went down to see him during the bye week, met with him and his head coach, and that's the basis of this episode. Calvert Hall head coach Donald Davis is a great guy. He takes care of his players. He's got a very good relationship at Rutgers, really with the whole coaching staff, Chris Ash and Jay Neiman last year. This year, AJ Blazek has been in recently, obviously, and is involved with recruiting Reggie Sutton. All of that is the focus of our interview this week. Reggie Sutton is also highlighted in our Scout on the Road segment because, again, I went to see him play last Friday night. It was a great matchup. It was Reggie Sutton versus Thomas Booker of Gilman, and Booker is one of the top defensive ends in the East that's about to decide between Notre Dame and Stanford. And, well, I give my opinion and hear from Brian as well on how Reggie Sutton fared against Booker and which guy won that matchup, in my opinion. We'll go over that in the show, and we'll also be talking about some big picture Rutgers football development stuff before the mailbag and we close out the show. What's, what's exciting about this time of year, well, as you can tell by how quickly I'm speaking, it's an exciting time of year because it's not just football, which, yeah, I get it. Things aren't that exciting when you're 1-4, and four, but I'm at basketball practices now with only a couple weeks until that season opener for Steve Peichel, Wrestling is making a lot of noise. Congratulations to Richie Lewis, who's really doing a great job starting off this season. Kicked butt at the U23 Nationals. If you want to read more about Richie Lewis, go search our 247 Sports Archive or just Google Richie Lewis, Toms River, and you'll see my article on him and his motivations returning for a fifth year, trying to hit that All-American, get to the podium again before he transitions into an MMA career, which he seems to have a pretty bright future in that he's already training with some of the top athletes out there in America in his off time. But before we get into that, before we talk to Brian, before we open up the mailbag, I had a great conversation with Calvert Hall coach Donald Davis. And you wonder why relationships are a little better for Rutgers when you're a little farther away from home or why things might Feel a little more positive about Rutgers. It's somewhere like Calvert Hall than it's somewhere maybe certain North Jersey Catholic schools that you know might be suing Rutgers right now. Just listen to Donald Davis. Listen to how he talks and ask yourself: Is this the kind of coach that I want leading players? Is this the kind of program that I want to get players from? I mean, my answer is pretty obvious. But listen to Donald Davis and hear for yourself. All right, coach, you got. Two Rutgers guys now with Reggie and with Tyshawn. how's your relationship been with Rutgers and and watching these kids get these opportunities in the Big Ten?
0: Oh, the, the staff has been incredible. You know, obviously Coach Ash and his guys uh, have, have done a great deal to try to work to continue to rebuild the program. Uh, they, they've done a, a great job recruiting in this region, the Mid-Atlantic region and Maryland in particular. Uh, and then our guys have felt at home uh... when they've gone up there they felt very good about the academic opportunities there uh... they feel good about the staff so you know i i I like when you can develop those sort of relationships and your guys feel good about you know what the opportunities uh... that a school offers i know that
2: coach a.j blasek was in earlier this week to see reggie Tyshawn fogg had people visiting him plenty is it more than it's more than just talking to coach ash with those guys
0: indeed uh... coach blasek has been excellent man uh... Uh, just a, a, you know, a, a regular guy down to earth. He's a football coach. He's a football coach's son. So, you know, he and I can talk ball, and uh, he's a guy that, that really wants to best in the relationships with his guys, and that matters to me too. You know, when we entrust our guys to college football coaches or programs, uh, it's great to know that there's guys in the building there that, that are in the offices. Uh, that that really want to build relationships and that's 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 important in the process
2: we talked after Reggie committed I mean he really had to earn it come to camp two times show how much he improved how how proud of you or how proud were you when he earned that
0: opportunity because he did it in camp and and really put in a lot of time extremely I mean I I think he's one of those kids that did it the right way Uh, he, he stuck to the plan to our process he did what he was supposed to do took care of business academically uh, he continued to stay in the weight room, work at his craft. Uh, he, he, he put it on film. You know, he did a great job on the field for us as a leader, like as a leader in our locker room and on the field on game days. Uh, and then he did what he had to do in the weight room. He put on the weight that he needed to uh, and, again, built himself uh, into the type of player that, that, you know, a Power Five conference school would want. And, then, you know, by the end of the process, there were a lot of guys who were very, very interested in him. Uh, but I think it mattered to him. That even before he had all of the measurables, you know, weight-wise, at one point he was only 245, uh, that the Rutgers guys uh, liked him right from the beginning and that they built that relationship uh, from the beginning. And that mattered to him in the end, that, you know, that these are the guys that maybe before uh, I checked all the boxes, uh, they kept an eye on me to make sure that if I could, you know, this this would be the right fit.
2: One of the ways I always judge offensive linemen is by their handshake. And I talked to him 20 minutes ago, and my hand still hurts. Uh, Strength-wise, physically, how much is he getting better just as he gets older and grows into his body?
0: The crazy thing is I think he's still a baby. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's grown like crazy over his high school experience. Uh, he's worked his butt off in the weight room. But, you know, I think he's still a long way away from reaching his potential I think he's going to get taller I think he's going to get heavier and I certainly know he's going to get stronger as he you know as he turns 19 20 21 years old so he's one of those guys that's done a great deal to put himself in the position and yet you look at him and still see uh, a really young kid that's really just scratching the surface of of his potential and what he could be so I'm excited to watch him continue to develop and, and see what that handshake turns into I'm not as excited to see what that
2: handshake turns out. I'm the one that's interviewing him when he's 23. What about, what about Rutgers do you think attracted Reggie? Because Tyshawn obviously is from Jersey and was going to get a chance to play right away there, whereas Reggie's a guy that is not from Jersey, and as offensive lineman, he's not playing as a true freshman.
0: I think you had three factors. Um, I think the academic piece uh, being number one, you know, Reggie's a tremendous student. He wanted to go somewhere where uh, he went to a university with a recognizable name. Uh, I think the Rutgers brand is recognizable nationwide, so that's that's number one. It it helps that you know there are a stone's throw from New York and and a train ride from Philadelphia. Yep. But but that would be number one. Uh, two is it gave me the opportunity to play at the highest level possible. You're playing Big Ten football, so you know you're 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 playing against the the best of the best of the best, best coaches, best players, best schools. Uh, so you're you know you're playing in in one of the best conferences in the country. Uh, and then the third piece, like I said, was, was the individual piece of it, is is that staff. Uh, they were guys that identified him early, and they stuck with him through the process. So when you can go to a school where you feel like your degree is going to be worthwhile, uh, you're going to play at the highest level of football, which is what any competitive kid wants to do, uh, and then, you know, again, you built some relationships where you feel good about the place you're going, that you're stepping into an atmosphere where you're a part of the plan, uh, it, it just seemed like a great fit for him. How do you think kids react when they see, especially he was there in person? You
2: see a kid, you see a team get blown out—the team you're committed to—get blown out by Ohio State. It didn't seem like he cared about that at all.
0: Well, first of all, Ohio State at some point is going to blow out a lot of different people. <laughs> a couple of years ago, they blew out Alabama. Uh, so, you know, whether whether guys can can win that game every year uh, or not shouldn't determine uh, when a kid is thinking big picture. You know, I don't know that that, that one game is going to determine it. Is it tough to go and, and watch, you know, your future teammates and your future coaches uh, have a rough day? Yes, but that that's part of why you want to go somewhere. You help them build. You help them make that that run uh, to put yourselves in position to compete uh, in those games. I mean, that's no different than some of the things he did when coming here. You know, you, you look at the program and say, hey, I think they got some great things in place. I think if we get some great guys around me, we can make a push. Whether whether we're beating the best or the upper echelon guys uh, right away or not um, is, is really a small piece in that puzzle if guys feel good about the place they're going. And that, that's probably the most important piece. If they fit academically, they fit athletically, they fit personality and socially, um, then, then you go and you push and you get some other guys there with you. You'd be surprised
2: what can happen. So I think the most interesting thing I've learned this morning is that Reggie Sutton is a young marine biology student. (laughs) Um, Did not expect that coming into Calvert Hall this morning. What's something that the the average football fan, Rutgers fan, doesn't know about him? What's something that makes him special or or unique that you're not going to see on film?
0: Well, I just think a a part of it is the the way he can draw. He, He brings guys together. Um, he's one of those guys that's, that, that helps bring our offensive line together. He helps keep our team uh, together. He's a guy that, that can, although he's not loud and boisterous, um, he's a guy that can communicate with all different types of kids. And that's not something that shows up on the field. I mean, you're just watching block people. But in the locker room, in practice, in the school building, uh, he's a guy that's got several friendships and built relationships and is a leader that all of our kids can come to, like whether you're a lineman or, or a skill kid, whether you're a senior or a freshman, uh, no matter what color you are, what type of family you come from, uh, he's a guy that, that I think his leadership um, expands, you know, throughout our locker room. And that's, that's huge to have guys like that, uh, that, that don't just lead a pocket of players, you know, they can lead everyone. It sounds like you pretty much described
2: A.J. Blazik too. So it, I think that's why they get along so well. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, I also got to ask Tyshawn Fogg. He's making an impact as a freshman. He's not starting yet, but I'm sure you've seen his interception or he's sent it to you on film 100 times. Proud of him? Absolutely,
0: I am. He let me know right away. You know, <laughs> eight tackles and a pick. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of him. And, 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 again, for a lot of the same reasons I talked to you about for Reggie. Um, You know, here's a guy that's a four-star athlete that's got everybody in the country uh, chasing him. And and he looked and and saw a place that that fit he and his family, that made sense for him for all the right reasons. Um, And he chose it in spite of maybe the fact that the program is going through some change and struggling a little bit. Um, In spite of maybe, that you know, there's a little bit uh, of glitz and glamour maybe in another place that he said, you know what, those places are great, I could probably fit well but for my family, for me, for everyone involved, I think this is the best choice. And that's a mature decision. And a kid like that, it's great when you see him rewarded uh, by having the opportunity to play well on the field, and especially early. So I'm excited for him, but more so I'm proud of him. Other than trying to find a good crab cake, I think he's pretty happy back in
2: New Jersey. Uh, How important do you think it is for him to actually be able to do it in front of his home fans?
0: Uh, I think it's huge. I mean, you take a kid who essentially in high school was a transplant. Uh, really only he and his mom were down here. Right. So in order for his family and, and friends that he grew up with to see him play, they either had to watch him on the internet or make a three hour drive. So he had a great high school experience that he couldn't really share with the people closest to him. Sure. So for him to now be able to go and share his college experience with those closest to him, um, you know, I, I think that means a lot, especially for a kid who, again, sort of flipped the experiences. His high school experience was more like one of college where he didn't have all of his loved ones uh, share the experience with him. So to be able to go back to college and and get closer to home and get to where your grandfather can come see you, where your friends, the guys you grew up with in the neighborhood can come see you, um, I think that's unique. Buck against Gilman. Thank you.
2: Thanks to our guest this week, Coach Donald Davis, for joining us, giving us insight into a couple of... Rutgers guys. Well, one Rutgers guy and one soon-to-be Rutgers guy. And that's kind of where we transition here as CBS National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan joins the show because we're going to hop into a little scout on the road where I was on the road at Calvert Hall this weekend. Brian had some games of his own. But, Brian, you're a guy that's dealt with Coach Donald Davis a lot, more than I have because you do the region. I do Rutgers. Uh, Impressions of the program, he's running down there. And, I mean, it seems like they they put out some some
1: kids high character kids yeah and you're gonna get that when you go to a school like Calvert Hall or whether it's good counsel Gilman um just different you know I'll remember going down to see Tyshawn Fogg the Rutgers freshman linebacker and I was gonna interview him and coach Davis a great dude always wants to help out and and help his kids out with getting publicity and he's like all right I'll go grab him for you and he he calls him, and Tyson's like, well, I'm in the middle of a chemistry test. He goes, well, can you come for a few minutes? I said, no, don't pull him out of that. I'll come back later in the day. Uh, does a good job. I remember going down to watch him play, you know, when Lawrence Cager was there, who's now at Miami, uh, the receiver who Rutgers was recruiting. And it's always cordial. The kids are always prepared for games, and they'll play hard, and... They're good kids, and I think that's the most important thing. When you go do this stuff, you find out there's a lot of good kids out there, You know, a ton of good kids, but if you're not a good kid and you're going to try to go to Calvert Hall, you'll either change or you won't last long because uh, Coach Davis is very big on academics, he's very big on character, and he's very big on building a bond with his players.
2: There aren't a lot of coaches I've dealt with that steer their kids, not steer their kids, but... Make sure their kids are aware of the Ivy League like Davis does. One of their top players this year committed to Harvard. I guess we'll continue, Scott, on the road by talking about my day at Calvert Hall where Reggie Sutton did not have a chemistry test, but he was in his AP Marine Biology class when uh, Coach Davis quickly convinced the teacher, happily convinced the teacher, to let him come
1: out into the lobby and chat with me for a couple minutes. Well, here's my question on that. All right, Costanza. Two things. Were there any Titleist golf balls around? <laughs> And the second thing, when he got out of that, was he angry like an old man trying to send soup back at a deli? It it might have been bizarro Reggie Sutton because he was happy to see me.
2: Uh, He wasn't as happy later in the day when I went to see him at his game and they lost in the final seconds to the Gilman School and uh, Thomas Bookman, Booker, a defensive end that's looking at some big-time schools. But what I took away from this, look, every team loses games and rarely you blame the left tackle for losing a game. Reggie Sutton went up against one of the top uncommitted players in Maryland and held his own, blocked very well. His offense was pretty consistent, not a lot of pressure on the quarterback, and Reggie Sutton, the Rutgers commit, I thought outplayed Booker, who is between Notre Dame and Stanford, but Booker had the last laugh. His team won, and Booker also plays on the offensive line, so you're talking about a guy that plays every snap, whereas Sutton's only playing half the game.
1: I look at a kid like Sutton, and I remember seeing him last year and not thinking, "Wow, this is a kid I got to see more of," and kind of lost track of him a little bit. And then I saw him down at DC at Nike, and he looked really good. And I remember telling people, "Wow, he looked good." And I went over and I was like, "Man, you, you looked good in that you look good in that camp today." And then you and I saw him at the Rutgers camp. Right. Now we're not going to lie and say it was a star-studded camp. Nope. But there were some good offensive linemen there.
2: Chris Banks was there.
1: And um, then... There and a couple kids. And then Reggie Sutton was there. Yeah. And Reggie Sutton was by far the most talented, the kid who could bend the most. He was by far the best offensive line prospect at that camp. And it wasn't long after that that things really heated up with him and they got the commitment and all that stuff. But it was... Um, his his growth from his junior year to his senior year has been impressive and i feel like it's one of those things just scratching the surface he's just got to get stronger in the upper body that's the biggest thing with him is his strength because he's long so it's going to take a little bit longer for him to to add that but i I came away incredibly impressed by his development and i would expect that to continue because he's a high character kid who's going to work hard So, before we
2: hear from your on-the-road segment, Brian Fonseca went out to see quarterback commit Zamar Wise and Behringer play at Orange against top twenty nineteen corner Nyquil Hawkins. You talked a little bit about both of those guys last week, but any takeaways from watching the film of Wise, his first game since his commitment?
1: Yeah, I I watched it, and I was interested to see how he was used. Um, I think there's times where when he runs the ball and gets up the field, he goes – There were times where he just gets out of bounds, and I'd like to see him try to get a few more yards because of his athleticism. But I also understand, you're a quarterback, you're a big part of that team, you need to stay healthy, don't take a lot of hits. I get that. Throwing the ball, he makes some really good throws. And there's one throw that, you know, it's pretty early in the tape where he's coming from right to left... It, it looks like, if I'm remembering right, it's a dig route where a guy's going to turn around, probably about a 20-yarder. It comes up a little short. The kid makes what looks to be a diving catch. If you watch it, he doesn't stride into the throw. And if he strides into the throw, the ball will get there. There's other plays where he you know, he throws a nice deep ball, a little flicker of wrist, and it goes. And there's a couple passes where he steps into it, and you see the arm strength. That's the, the play I'm talking about where he threw it short. That's where it has to change a little bit, where he's just got to get better mechanically and technically because if he steps into that throw you're like wow that's a really good throw and he has it in him I just want to see more consistency from him
2: so before before we uh, preview a little bit of this week and what we're doing you had a busy weekend seeing high school games but not a ton to talk about from a Rutgers perspective Uh, Christian Barmore uh, down in Philly at Newman Goretti when you wrote about him there was some Rutgers stuff to talk about but you know, five days later, I don't know how much Rutgers is still in the picture there.
1: Yeah, they still are. I spoke with his coach on Wednesday just about what was going on, and you know, since then, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida offered Ohio State. We'll see when we tape this. They haven't offered. they were supposed to offer on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, but I asked him, you know, what's going on. I don't ask about specific schools. I want to know what what's going on. I said, What are you thinking? And you know, he said that. Rutgers was recruiting them hard. Is still there. They're going to have a lot more work because there's a lot more competition. The other thing, look, Barmore's a, a tremendous talent. You can see that. Um, I could also see Penn State getting involved. But you also have to view it from the standpoint of if re- if you don't know enough about recruiting now to know an offer doesn't mean you can automatically commit. <laughs> yeah. Then you need to have a refresher, and I'm sure you'd be happy to talk to anybody who wants to call you about the merits of offers sometimes. But, you know, it's still a ways to go. Let's see what happens. I would say, yes, it got markedly harder for Rutgers, uh, but let's let everything settle down and see where things stand before everybody gets gung-ho, because I can tell you about kids in... past classes where were like well wait a minute he had 30 offers how do you wind up at that school so
2: the big thing this weekend is the triple header at rutgers we talked about it all summer some good prospects good job by i'm guessing rick mance who's done a good job for rutgers and helping organize this stuff he again it, it's a cool thing most most you know relevant colleges do this kind of thing for you, you're mostly interested in that nightcap. We'll also probably have Brian Fonseca pop by the second game to maybe chat with Elijah McAllister, see if anything's new there, but nightcap, I think, is what you're interested in.
1: Yeah, I'm curious. I want to go out. I want to see Red Bank Catholic. Um, they got a kid committed to Virginia. They got another 2020 tight H back who has a Rutgers offer and has picked up a few other offers. Uh, I'm curious to see what goes on in that game. I, I feel like there's never been that connection between Rutgers and Red Bank before, but I think there could be, one could develop there, I think.
2: Yeah, and then obviously they're playing Long Branch, Kmar Mims, the defensive end.
1: I was waiting for you. That's your guy.
2: Yeah, well, I'm the one that knows how to pronounce his name. Right now it's looking like Rutgers versus Wake Forest. We'll see if, you know, Temple can push back in or if Michigan State ever decides to do anything. But I'm curious to see what he says. Like I guess, you know. I love a kid that has is so disinterested in recruiting that he doesn't have a phone or a Facebook or a Twitter. So good, to, good for you to get a chance to talk face-to-face to him. I still think he's one of the top realistic targets for Rutgers.
1: Yeah, and if you remember, early in his recruitment, right before his senior season, he talked about wanting to decide by mid-October. Well, that's now. I still think he's going to wait and see what goes on with Michigan State, how much interest they will show and all that but for me it's a situation where I want to see how much growth he's shown since we saw him at a scrimmage earlier in the year, understand he's really raw and it's like, it's like you're looking at certain things like Christian Barmore, you're looking more for athleticism, same with Jason Awe you know, you're looking at the athleticism and the ceiling, not what the product is now and, and I want to see it because when we saw him in that scrimmage he flashed but not as much as I think I hoped. And so for me, I'm curious to see what he looks like.
2: So transitioning into part two of the news here, Rutgers made a lot of changes during the bye week. We've detailed them all excruciatingly on the Scarlet Report site. So if you really want the analysis of changes, I mean, of course we're talking quarterbacks, but it's not just that. It's secondary. It's changes at the you know backup center and and the defensive line rotation whether it's top guys or where anyone on this depth chart is you can go check that out so instead of rehashing that you know you can go check it out on scarlet report for our members what i want to talk about team wise is the in-season player development because we're basically at the halfway point right now brian and i'm curious what you think you know most improved groups are there any players that have popped off to you as improved are there any groups that you think have regressed now that we're about halfway through evaluation wise what pops out for you
1: i won't say regressed I, I don't know if because of injuries and because of my low expectation level i mean i picked them to go three and nine four and eight four and eight i picked them to go three and nine okay so four and eight i'm not sitting there thinking oh boy you're yeah. really good here a couple of things pop out to me though i thought kyle bowen would be better at quarterback From when I saw him in camp, I expected more. Maybe it's not slowing down for him in the game. Maybe the speed is too much for him. Um, I was hopeful the offensive line would block better. They haven't blocked well. I mean, you can sit there and say, oh, against Washington, we did this and this. Yeah, one drive, great. Well, not only that, but, I mean, you know, Washington's coming across the country to open up the season against a team it pounded the year before who they think is terrible. There is a chance that maybe Washington wasn't as jacked to play that game as they should have been. Um, there's a lot of things, you know, tape gets out, Rutgers changes some things, blocking schemes. Some, you know, There's a lot of things that can change, tape gets out. I, I think the secondary you can't even look at because of the injuries there now. Um, I thought the receivers would be better than they are, they're not. Uh, And it it doesn't mean that they haven't been coached up. It it doesn't. I don't sit there and go, well, geez, if they were coached better, they'd be better. It just means that they're not doing as well as I thought. And a lot of it goes into it. You know, I I keep hearing, oh, Rutgers needs to stretch the field and throw the ball deep. Well, I'm going to help you with this. (laughs) There's two things that have to happen for that to take place. A, you need somebody who can stretch the field. That's important. You have to have somebody who can actually get off the line of scrimmage and down the field. Two, you have to have an offensive line that can protect. Right. This offensive line cannot protect. So if you're going to say, oh, just keep somebody in, that's great. So now you have safety help to try to stretch the field when your receivers can't do that yet. And I think Bo Melton eventually will, but he's young. I, I just look at everything that's gone on, with this program right now and I think they've gotten better I think the kids understand the system better I just don't think the players are good enough
2: I go back and I've looked at what I've written last year and what the general fan criticism was, two different things but the biggest indictments complaints, trashing of the program last year were about kicking and punting well guess what the most improved groups are this year I get that you you doink a field goal against Ohio State, but you have a field goal kicker that you at least semi-trust, and Ryan Anderson, who, depending on how the market works, could have a professional career as a punter, massively improved. And then uh, I think the defense at every level is improved, not significantly. It's hard to tell, like you said, with the secondary, but look at what they do early against Ohio State before the injuries. Look at what they did early against Nebraska, early against Washington, and it's significantly better than last year. The linebackers still aren't good, but they're better. And defensive line might be the most improved position group on the team this year. So I do see guys that are getting better. It's just not enough. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, I thought when we were talking about it, you were talking about from first game to now. But yeah, I mean, across the board, they've gotten better. Right. Um, and if they're going to go based on your what the criticism was last year... That means, like, the next Bill Walsh will be running the offense next year because, again, it is so easy to blame a guy like Jerry Kill, who has proven in his career he knows nothing about offense, right? right? I mean, he's never had success anywhere offensively. But now it's his fault because, heaven forbid, we say the players may not be good enough. How can that possibly be? Well, at some point, you know, it's like I remember listening to about, well, Greg Schiano couldn't coordinate a defense, he couldn't do this, and then all of a sudden they got good and his blitz schemes were tremendous, and uh, he's a great defensive coach. What, what, he just learned how to coach? What, What? Kill forgot how to coach? Is that what you're telling me? Since he left Minnesota, he's forgotten how to be an offensive coach.
2: Yeah. The other thing that stands out most to me, I think it's worth discussion, is the way that Chris Ash' philosophy changed to bring in more grad transfers and transfers and stuff like that, where... He was originally hesitant about it. And I think now you're seeing why. Because, look, he had no choice. He had to bring guys in. But I'd say maybe half of them have worked out. You know, maybe a little more than half have been really successful. But every position, you see these guys they brought in and you needed someone there. So I don't really blame him. But again, people will say, oh, Kyle
1: Bullen didn't work out. Do what Mitchell didn't work out. We'll see. I, I think that is a really superficial way of looking at things. Because Kyle Boland may not be playing well on the field, but he got voted captain, quickly. Nobody questions his work ethic, his ability to prepare. Now whether he can take that preparation over, so now Jonathan Lewis can understand that. We know, we heard time and again what the quarterback room was like last year, <laughs> right, right? Right. Time and again what the quarterback room was like. Well, Boland changed it. You want to talk about What Mitchell? Yeah, I mean, Maybe you thought he was going to play more, and I, you know, there's a lot of reasons why he's not getting the ball more. But Rutgers doesn't have anybody that looks like that in terms of physically, just how big and thick he is and can still move. And everything I hear is he's done a really good job as a leader inside of the program. What was the big problem last year and years past? Leadership. So it may not have the tangible results on the field. You know, it goes back to get your bell ready. There was a kid that played at UCLA named Dan Nelson, former Marine. Was in, um, I can't even remember the time frame, but was in one of the wars in the Middle East. And they brought him in, and he was a special teams guy. Backup linebacker who couldn't play, right? Just couldn't play in the defense. But he was a rock in that team, and he got that whole locker room in order, and he was a big leader and turned into... A really inspirational guy who, who showed them the way to do things, and so it was a success. And, and so you have to look beyond sometimes the field when you're doing rebuilds.
2: I agree, and look no farther than Rutgers basketball where there were a lot of problems before Steve Peichel came in, and then he finds this C.J. Gettys guy, and all of a sudden Deshaun Freeman goes from suspended for the year to team captain. Sometimes you bring in a grad transfer that comes from winning program, and maybe he isn't the best player in the world, but he's learned the right way to go about his business. And look no farther than Kyle Boland. Read what I wrote about him organizing a team meeting with four other seniors to call these guys out, because they're not getting things done. Look at Jerome Washington, and he's making a, a blueprint for the future of the tight end position. Look at Gus Edwards, who I think is the best back on the roster. Some will argue Robert Martin. They're not necessarily putting up big numbers, but No one on Rutgers is putting up big numbers. That's part of being a 1-in-4 team. And welcome into the Rutgers ScoutCast Mailbag, Episode 79. Sam Hellman here to answer your questions. Brian, as he often does, has to return some videotapes. So we hope to have him back for next week's mailbag. I'm sure you wanted to hear him yell about Gio Roschino for another two hours, but, you know... We've got all season for that. The on topic question this week, and, and as you know, you can tweet me at hellman 247 or you can contact me on ScarletReport.com with your questions for the mailbag. The on topic question this week comes from one of our premium members, Squam94, and the question is Hi, Sam. I recall you being high on Saeem Simmons at linebacker, but he seems behind the other freshmen. Any insight? Yeah, sure. I am still high on Saeem Simmons, but when you get hurt in training camp, it, it, especially as a freshman, it's hard to get back into a rotation, and that's the case for Simmons. Simmons was one of the first linebackers that Rutgers gave a look in training camp. He and uh, Tyshawn Fogg was probably the first, followed by Simmons uh, playing on the outside, playing behind Ross Douglas and... I wouldn't say he really pushed Ross Douglas because he didn't get enough of a chance before the injury. But when you have a freshman and then he gets hurt in camp and it's not the kind of injury you can play through like Brendan Nevera with the hand injury, you're just you're not likely to see the field. It's the same with Shamin Jones at wide receiver who was probably number two behind Bo Melton as far as freshman receivers getting work early, early in training camp. But then he got hurt and they shut him down it's hard when you only have a guy for you know you get him in july you have him for six weeks and then it's time to get ready for the season and if you're out for three of those weeks it's hard to catch up that, that's really all it is to me i think simmons will benefit from a redshirt year because he needs to learn all the responsibilities of that sam backer position it's not just you know go tackle the linebacker, go tackle the running back there's a lot more to it than that there's coverage responsibilities there's pass rushing responsibilities Ross Douglas has clearly struggled there at times, but he's the best they have right now, and I think it helps Simmons to be able to learn from a player that's as intelligent as Douglas this year so that maybe he can compete next year for that vacated playing spot. I also like Simmons as a special teams guide down the road for Rutgers. He he plays with an edge. He can do a couple of different things. He, He played a lot of offense in high school down during his year in Alabama. I remember he's originally from Jersey City, so I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't find playing time next season, probably not as a starting linebacker because the other freshmen have this season of on-field playing experience, but we'll see We'll see where he ends up. I think he's a guy that can help a lot on special teams, kind of like, like Larry Stevens where maybe you don't see him on defense, but he's a very valuable special teams player. Off-topic question this week came from Jobin private message via Twitter again at Sam Hellman 247 is the new Twitter for me the Scarlet Report brand is with 24-7 24-7 and Scout have all merged we've gone over this before if it's confusing to you reach out to me with questions but that's why you see the 247 sports URL at the top of your Scarlet Report homepage. anyway off-topic question Sam and Brian what is your favorite book I have no idea what brian's favorite book is but it's probably something stupid about soccer my favorite book is bram stoker's dracula a big fan other than uh, peter bretter's musical adaptation of dracula i think stoker tells the story best looking at my bookshelf as i record this what else do i like over here i do have a book called one last shot that i like it's about michael jordan's time with the washington wizards because as you know i'm a washington wizards fan and uh it's time for the Wizards to take over the East. Anyway, thanks for the mailbag questions. Actually, let's just say thanks for listening to the entire episode here, wrapping up big game for Rutgers this weekend. We've discussed it. It is it is probably the closest thing that Chris Ash has had to a must-win game as a head coach. Let's see how much he motivated the troops. Let's see how much the team captains motivated the troops with their little meeting during the bye week to hold people accountable. Well, the troops at Scarlet Report are certainly motivated as we have successfully merged the Scout and 24-7 platforms. I'm the captain now, but we have an exciting team. Ryan Lance, Matt Agnoli, Brian Fonseca all helping me out. We've got our moderators and we still have... All of the analysts like Brian Doan, Evan Daniels, Michael Clark that you're used to, plus everyone on the 247 sports side who have been excellent additions so far. Alex Gleitman kills it in New York, and he's had a ton of good info for our subscribers over the last couple of weeks. Steve Wilfong, who you may know from a podcast that he does with scouts. Alan True, a lot of guys on both. It really is the best deal out there, just like I want this to be the best Rutgers podcast out there. Now that there are others that have joined the podcasting world at Rutgers, the best way that you can help support the Rutgers ScoutCast is spread the word. Post it on Facebook. It's free. Free to download. Tell a friend that you think might like to listen about Rutgers, and please give us a review in Apple Podcasts. It's very simple. takes one step. Even if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever you call it, all you really got to do is go onto your computer and rate us search for us in the Apple Podcast Store. It's not too difficult. If you have any questions about how to do it, feel free to reach out because every single rating helps new people find the show. I'm the host of the Rutgers ScoutCast, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening. That's chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. BTW void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions eighteen plus.